0: Welcome back, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone who's watching this live. On this, uh, mostly cold, probably where you're at. Not for everyone, but uh, in my case, in Sam's case, very cold uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, this is before the Kings game. Be uh, getting a little afternoon recording session in. I'm Zach. Uh, thanks for following along with us. With me today, I have Sam and Margarita Mason. Um, Just had to throw that out there uh, Sam, how you been, man?
2: I'm good, man It's an Arctic tundra here in Memphis Which is uncommon, as any Memphian knows Currently anywhere between 10 to 14 degrees uh, Which is a temperature not often reached here The snow is sticking And it's, we're supposed to get more flurries tonight they are saying 8 to 12 inches Which obviously means like 3 But it will feel like 3 feet Because wow. everyone's going to wow. act like you know, like, you know, the, the, the deli meat's gone. You see all the Twitter photos about the shelves and Kroger empty. I, however, went to Kroger earlier to get some strawberries and some chocolate to make chocolate covered strawberries for my wife because I kind of forgot to get her anything else. Because we just got married and I've been like in this fray. rookie mistake. Uh, but, you know, then I made chocolate covered strawberries so they come in the clear, which is why I'm on a podcast right now.
0: Um, oh, but I got, I you some good everyone will. I bought you goodwill. That's uh, that's good.
2: I hope so. And then also, I want to point out the fact that recently you guys have been on this sports card thing, uh, either digitally or now you're collecting tangible sports card. I am not. I feel like um, you know, like De'Anthony Melton on the bench next to Jaron and Justice, and they're kind of boys. And De'Anthony Melton's like sort of boys, but he doesn't really know exactly what's going on because he hasn't been on the bench with them all year. Feel a little bit ostracized, but that's okay because you guys enjoy it, and, and I enjoy being kind of like continuously involved but not having to pay money for any of it so uh, i appreciate that and mason what's going on
1: hey man well you say rookie mistake on you know there's chocolate covered strawberries i say veteran move um mm. so you know to each their own once you're married you know things kind of settle down uh it's, it's all based on the preference of you and your lady you know if you do it big for valentine's day great if you can keep it simple for valentine's day great uh, I'm not here to impose any views on particular holidays, but uh, just do what you and your lady feel is best. If that's going to brunch, having a couple margaritas and a carne asada burrito, do that. So you can come back and watch the Grizzlies, talk shop with the boys, pre game show. Uh, hope everybody's joining us on Twitter, YouTube, everywhere we're live. Shout out to Dash Radio. Zach, does Josh up?
0: <laughs> no I'm not we <laughs> joked about that uh right before we came in. ja has had a little bit of a rough spell you know it, it it's kind of we're seeing that sophomore slump right now. I'm pretty sure not getting the calls. I mean we could probably talk for like fifteen 20 minutes about foul calls that Ja is and isn't getting uh I don't want to talk that long, but I do have a few things I'd like to mention about that. Go ahead. So Ja, uh, over the past week, was in the 100th percentile for guards in the short to mid-range. 36% of his shots he took in that area. And then he also took 40% of his shots at the rim. So if you're counting with us, that's about 75% of his shots kind of in the paint or at the rim. So kind of right there in that close area. We'll take that, right? We'll take that. Yeah, that's I good. mean that that's, that's a good. pretty good spread for him. That's where you want him to be shooting, um, but he was only fouled on twelve point five percent of those shots. Fouls called, I should say, which puts him only in the fifty seventh percentile. So what I'm seeing is this guy's getting to the rack. He's getting close. He's drawing contact. We've we've seen it. Not getting the calls, which is something that he's got to work through. He's getting very visibly frustrated. And when he gets visibly frustrated, our team just kind of falls apart. So that's really the root of a lot of the issues, I think. Ja is not controlling his emotions quite well enough, um, and it's kind of trickling down to everyone else. Ja has, even this past week, he still is assisting at a very high rate, uh, doing very well there. But as far as him scoring, just been really inefficient, and that really puts Memphis in a couple ruts uh, throughout the game, which is – Really hard to overcome when we're short several very key role players coming off the bench. Um, so we could start uh, earlier last week. The Grizzlies played the Raptors. But what are his raw numbers? What are his raw numbers? We're talking about John. Let's stay or, on him right now. Okay. Just like his
1: raw points and assist and a uh, field goal percentage, I guess.
0: Like over the past week, or yeah,
1: yeah, just over the past week that that was just so so bad that we. So said.
0: he shot. Um, and 103 minutes, he had 55 points, which was second on the Grizzlies behind Jonas one point ahead of Dylan. Uh, he took 37, two pointers made 14. So that's a 38%, uh, field goal percentage, which, you know, we, like I mentioned, he's taking a lot of those at the rim. So you want to hot, you need a higher percentage there. And then four of 12 from behind the arc, not a whole lot of action there. Uh, That's just not his bread and butter uh, at this point yet.
1: So, I mean, if 18 and 10 is the guy's floor um, and and he's just missing shots that he normally makes, these short mid-ranges, I'm willing to kind of chalk this up as to just a product of the schedule. We played a lot of games. He did re-injure that ankle after coming back um, right right after we had came off the COVID break. So I think conditioning is an issue. Uh, that's why I was excited to see him shooting shots after the the game, after the Hornets game. It wasn't because I thought he had a bad game. I think he needs more conditioning. Um, so I, that's why I was excited to see him back out on the court following a game in which he thought he didn't play well, even though he had, you know, 15 and 11 in that Hornets win. Um, so I, I just want to say I'm not worried about Ja. Um, sure, maybe we've had some floor games, but I think that should also excite Grizzlies fans like that. It's not really going to get much worse than than what we're seeing right now. He's missing bunnies that we know he's capable of making at a much higher clip, still getting to the rim, not getting calls. Those are going to come. I think the Lakers game, we had an argument that that he got rooked. Um, but but I think he's still got a ways to go as far as you know getting the LeBron superstar level cars. So I just want to put it out there that I'm not a uh, you know I'm not too worried about Ja. You no,
0: know, the w-
2: weird the weird thing was too. Sorry Zach, but I looked at cleaning the glass and the uh, the foul drawing stats uh, for Ja. He's actually in the 95 percentile for uh, shooting fouled percentage. Was w- the percentage of a player's shot attempts was he fouled on? So he's actually like, and and granted he's listed as a combo guard for some reason on cleaning the glass, which I found interesting. So it ranks him against other combo guards. For example, De'Anthony Melton is another combo guard on our our teams, and whereas Tyus is listed as a point, so he's not measured against other point guards. But as far as combo combo guards, he's drawing fouls at a 95 percentile rate, which is obviously fantastic. And he's also uh, in floor foul percentage. How many non-shooting fouls does he draw? He's in the 93rd percentile. Um, it, the the issue is apparently he's only shooting eighty one percent from the fr- foul line, which puts him at a middling forty seven percent. So he's he's converting at a eighty one is respectable, obviously, but for your point guard it's going to be taking a lot of free throws, you might want to see that creep over higher to ninety. And then his and one percentage is he's in the fourteenth percentile. So he he actually isn't. Finishing a lot of his and one opportunities, which I think really gets him going. I mean, it gets any player going. Um, that's that's an easy three points. And I think we see that leads to just like offensive spurts when there's an and one uh, team really feeds off that in the energy too. Uh, he's not really doing well that year in that, too. So surprisingly, drawing fouls at a very respectable clip for a combo guard in the league, but doesn't feel like it doesn't feel quite like he gets the superstar treatment yet. Um, and the Lakers game is kind of like, a, I think, a, a sore thumb in the midst of, like, a pretty normal level of treatment that he gets. That was just a weird sort of deal. And we can't compare him to LeBron because LeBron gets the best whistle in the league. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, no like, I mean,
1: kidding. I no mean, hey, Lakers team, honestly. Yeah, right?
2: and, and, that's and that was evidenced
1: by two players getting flop warnings when no players ever get flop warnings. Two players yeah. from the same team in the same game. That's like the NBA being like, all right, sorry, Grizzlies fans. We heard you. Like, yeah, y'all had a case in that one. We fucked that up. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, and we'll get to that Lakers game too. But yeah, so so maybe doing a little bit better foul foul wise than we thought. But what other stuff around? I mean, I'm not worried about Ja either. I kind of echoing Mason. Do you have any other thoughts on on Ja Zach?
0: Were those numbers? I just want to clarify for my own reputation. Those numbers were his season numbers, his foul call, uh, fouls drawn.
2: Correct, his season okay. numbers. I was yeah.
0: quoting his uh, for this past week, so that's yeah the disparity. Yeah. I, and but,
2: I, I, I was talking more like just. It just felt literally. like for the whole season even. Yeah, I mean, it just – it feels like we never want – he doesn't get quite the whistle that we want him to get, but obviously we're incredibly biased. Yeah. So,
0: But something very good that uh, – if you look at his shot chart, something that Ja has always tried to do is get literally to the rim. He wants to you know, dunk on people, put his hand in the cup. But this week he's – I don't know if settled is the right word for a lot more floater shots in that uh, short range without trying to get – and posterize someone which I think is the shot personally uh, that he needs to get much better at in order to be more effective Uh, because imagine if he had a floater as good as you know Tyus even uh, or you know a little bit of Mike Conley in there that that severely ups his game because then folks have to respect him a lot more um, and know that he's not just trying to get to the rim that's the spot they need to get to that he can score uh, and Cause some the low man to come up and guard him a little bit, maybe create a little more dish off opportunities. So I'm not mad that he's taking those shots. He just has struggled to hit them so far.
1: Yeah, and, and I think he's proven that he can make those shots. So when he's scoring 44 at San Antonio, the floaters wet as can be, um, just falling through Mike Conley style. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of time. And that's why I kind of point to the conditioning. Like he's just he's just missing, like he's a half step off here and there. Um, and, and I think he just needs to get back up to par, but the problem is, can you catch up when, you know, now you've got four games and five nights looming, um, and the schedule doesn't appear to be getting any easier for anyone, honestly, a special team, especially teams who have struggled with COVID, but let's go back to the top of the week. Uh, Raptors came into town, the Tampa Bay Raptors, huh. and, uh, basically the Grizz played a good game until the fourth quarter. And basically what the last three minutes of the third quarter and then the Raptors just completely mauled us Uh, ended up losing 128 to 13. I think we led 70 to 63 at the half led by three after the third quarter and basically Freddie uh, Van Fleet Siakam uh, they, they just got it going. And we couldn't get any stops and couldn't score late. (laughs) So, Sam, any any thoughts from that Raptors game from you? I know JV had a big game. It was nice to, you know, have the big fella back 27 and 20. Hate to waste that, but just your overall thoughts, Sam.
2: Yeah, it was exactly that. It was three quarters of really good basketball and sort of fell apart in the fourth. The the defense is an issue, I think. We saw it really well. You know, I think that uh, we were initially playing great defense, even coming off that that COVID break, but now it's like kind of regressed um, to maybe where everyone expected this team to be defensively. Sometimes you'll see spurts of it, like in, in certain quarters of games, you'll see the on the string sort of rotating defense, making every team take the tough shot that we want to. But, you know, it just fell apart. And I think it just stops with – it starts with not stopping the ball, the point of attack, and then the defense is I – mean, we've talked about this a million times, right? But it's like, I mean, we're broken records because that's what keeps happening um jaw is like horribly defensively uh and it's not it's not like it's gotten to the point now where he's obviously not a rookie anymore and he plays one of the hardest positions and he obviously has to expend a lot of his energy facilitating our entire offense so we give him a little bit of a pass but he's like really fucking bad uh defensively and i think it's getting to the point now where it's actually like hurting our team defense um not quite trey young level bad right like he still has the athleticism and he's tall enough and he has the capacity to play Good defense, but I don't know whether he's just not conditioned. But, for example, I mean, like his – you know, he's on the court. We allow 15 more points. Um, and then we – act. everyone – the opposing wow. teams shoot 9.2% better. He's actually in the one percentile defensively um, in, when he's on the court. Is that, in fact, he's act, He's actually one of the, the worst on-off examples in the league right now. Um, the team objectively looks better both offensively and defensively when he's not on the court. That's obviously an issue of, like, lineups and injuries and all that sort of stuff. That a And a credit to our play.
1: bench. A credit to our bench yeah. unit who comes in and usually dominates. But, um, but yes. Yeah.
2: The defense stuff is what I wanted to focus on, and I think yeah. that we saw that again in, in the, thir- or the fourth quarter of the Raptors game because, um, obviously, Van Fleet, he kind of drew that assignment when they'd get a switch. Either he wouldn't be guarding them, he'd be guarding, like, you know, whoever the – Norman Powell, whoever they kind of put in at the off guard. But even that guard usually got going. The point is, is like it starts with Ja, I think, defensively when it comes to our defense. Because Jonas ain't coming out of the paint, right? So yeah, you know, first guard gets by Ja, he's in the paint, shit's happening. And they're gonna get a good shot. Like and we just hope they miss it, right? At that point.
0: Yeah, the the our our backcourt and perimeter defense was pretty tough. Like the the Raptors hit 23s. If you go down their roster, Siakam had five, eight. Seemed like he couldn't miss for a minute. Van Vliet, four, seven. Powell six of nine. Like just we just got destroyed uh, on that end of the court on our perimeter defense, which it's honestly something that has seemed like it's plagued us for a while now. Uh, but we just can't let teams get hot against us like that. Because granted, we turned it and flipped the flipped the script the very next game and had a crazy shooting night ourselves. Uh, but as you know, you can't beat teams when you're giving up um, that many threes, the guys who have had rough years, like Siakam not having the best year offensively. Also tough. That That's a matchup where you really miss Jaron, I think, because size-wise, quickness-wise, Jaron matches up very well with Siakam you know, we, we just don't have that guy right now. And that's really tough. And you're just going to have to deal with that until if and when Jaron gets back on the court.
1: Yeah. And I think Taylor Jenkins pointed to something about the uh, last four or five games, teams were shooting a higher percentage against the Grizzlies uh, than against any other team in the league the last four or five games. So it wasn't just a matter of, you know bad defense teams were making more shots than normal, like league average. So, and that's part of it. But I, I think the, the concerns with Jaws' defense, especially when Jaw and JV are together, I thought the fourth quarter of the Raptors game, despite JV having his game of the year, really showed like the two differences between him because Freddie just went to that pick and roll and carved us up. Um, and you know, Sam's point, JV's kind of sitting back in the paint, and that allows that. Um, the starting lineup numbers with Ja and Valanciunas and, and and basically Kyle and Dylan and your choice of Grayson or Bain are really good, um, but the but the overall numbers with Ja are are worrisome. I agree. So uh, I don't have much else on on the Toronto game. They shot fifty four percent from downtown, twenty of thirty seven. We shot thirty three percent, thirteen of thirty nine. Uh, that's your game, <laughs> like and, and they they had twenty six points off of turnovers uh and we only had 13 and the turnovers were we only had one more than toronto so three pointers and turnovers that'll do it uh but we came home or we stayed home and we had charlotte come to town uh and got a big win so anyone want to introduce that game how that one started off and how it went
2: uh yeah i i this is the classic example that they talk about in the league where there's five games that you're just gonna win no matter what in the season there's five games you're gonna lose no matter what because the other team had that They're one of their five games that were gonna win and then the the other what seventy two in the, in this season sixty two are the ones that like matter the ones that can win based on your play. this is an example of a game we're gonna win kind of no matter what based on the yeah literally franchise record setting amount of threes twenty three. Made threes in the game, it was like nothing I've ever really watched in Grizzlies basketball because
0: we it's never happened
2: the grit never yeah literally has never happened, but you know obviously the grit and grinder was not replete with three point attempts or makes uh, so that was weird to watch almost for them to go down like that uh, and, and yeah, it was just a case of our offense out offense then uh, but they we didn't necessarily defend particularly well. they actually shot really well. Um, from three as well. They just didn't make as many. Turnovers played a part there, but it was an example of one of those nights in the NBA. Lamelo Ball making his debut in the FedEx Forum. Um, that was kind of exciting to see him and Ja, two of the young guards in the league. is having a kind of a surprisingly great season um, based on how everyone thought he was going to play. Uh, he's, he's, he's pretty exciting to watch some of his full court passes when he rebounds the ball and then kind of like football throws it to the other end of the court. It's exciting. Hayward's having a resurgent season there. I, I like the Hornets. They're a fun team. But uh, it was just one of those nights they just ran into a buzzsaw in Memphis. And what's funny is that I think this sets like that weird tone for LaMelo. Like I, when you come in and get the shit beat out of you like that, like I wonder if it's one of those things where you just think like, oh, Memphis, there's a really good shooting team. Because you can't watch every game every night. Is that like what he thinks of us now? Like is he like – does he think we just like are like the Warriors of 2015? That's that's just always interesting to me. But does anyone have any thoughts on that, that uh, Hornets game?
0: Go ahead, Mason. Well, uh, well, yeah. I
1: mean, so your boy Dylan Brooks held uh, Gordon Hayward to 15 points.
2: <laughs> hey, man! Uh, <laughs> I don't, you man. know, team defense, bro. It's a, it's team, a, it's a drop defense. It, it, switchability, switchability. It, it really
1: was, and uh, I thought Desmond D- Bain also. This is probably his best defensive game. Was it? I think this was his second start. Um, in the starting lineup, like I just mentioned, with him has been really good. They've been outscoring teams by 10 points per 100 possessions when he's uh, in the starting lineup. And basically, there's no fall off when Grayson starts. So, either one of those guys, you know, it's a pleasure to have, you know, two guys who can get in there and just stroke it from downtown and aren't scared to shoot it. And I thought this game was. Uh, indicative of that cuz Grayson started off hot he had you know 12 points in the first quarter all from the left, left wing like they were just letting him stand there and catch and shoot and that was dope uh, and then you get into the third quarter and Kyle hits four in a row from the same corner also song. dope yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. the, the dopest some might say that and was then- fucking crazy and in the fourth quarter is, you know, the uh, the old guy, Dylan Brooks, our most tenured player, hitting the three to break the franchise record. But uh, helping us get there is Desmond Bain, like the two DBs, just trading threes in the fourth quarter. And it was just so fun because it was so much different than, like, a Mike Miller performance where it's one player. It's just like everyone's getting a piece of the pie, and threes are falling in from all over. Xavier Tillman's hitting, you know, like big threes out of timeouts or whatever um and then the the best part about this game was the third quarter defense it we finally got back to the defense that we had seen throughout the winning streak and that just kind of because before that it was just like the Raptors game like both teams making shots just kind of laissez-faire NBA basketball then third quarter we locked up and shots kept falling for us and you know we went on to win so
0: Zach your thoughts I mean when, when Kyle Anderson hits six threes, you're pro- I mean, that sets you up. <laughs> yeah, six pretty, of eight. Pretty pretty good. <laughs> I mean, last year, if Kyle Anderson had taken eight threes in a game, I probably would have just turned it off. In a week? Yeah, in a week. I'm like, that would be rough. That would yeah, he's just already, be already he's
2: already beaten his like career yeah. um season career three-point made he's beaten like what 20 games. Yeah. So th- that that is an example of the let it fly mentality that Jenkins has installed. I don't know what is, but everyone talks about his fucking shoulder, man, but it really is a thing. Apparently. I mean, he, he's catching that thing. There was one three that was wild. It was like a jaw dish to the corner. And like, he caught it like basically in his shooting stroke and immediately flicked it in. Like he didn't even bring it down whatsoever. At that point, I think it was his third three. So he was just on a heater and there was just Clay Thompson. Yeah, it was wild dude. Like, and they were just as perplexed. Obviously no one knows slow-mo as a shooter. Um, you, you kind of wish that game would have been on national TV just for the co- like comedic element of that. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. But again, defense wasn't great. So it's like you just outshoot out outscore the other team. Uh, There were certain there were certain elements for sure, but it's not like we just not like we blew them out necessarily. It wasn't like 130 to 92 or something. You know, it was. You know they still scored 110 or 108 or so. so. Yeah, and they
1: actually outshot us. They shot 55 percent from the field, and we shot 50. And they were 48 percent from three, and we were 47. Uh, the big key was we had 26 second chance points off of 19 offensive re- rebounds, and they only had eight second chance points. Um, so yeah, we were great in and, and Gorgie. Yeah. So that was a fun. It was a fun game, and like I said, that third quarter of us clamping down was really
2: huge. Yeah, very much so. I'm um, fun to watch, and you know, it was a win amidst uh, you know, a, a, a. Was rest that? Bell. Yeah, wasn't that? Didn't that break the four-game losing streak?
1: Yeah, um, and they were yeah.
2: hot. You know, they were they were kind of like the league darlings. They're kind of
1: taking over us as the league passed. Like we must watch Lamelo. Not you know, it, it was Ja last year. Now it's Lamelo. Mm-hmm.
0: And rightfully so, I man. He's been playing really well. Lamelo has been shooting really well. Surprisingly, like not something that he was. Like drafted on or scouted on, but the week prior when I was researching, he had hit like fifty percent of his threes uh, in that previous week. Uh, so, I mean, I, I was pretty, I was kind of concerned about that matchup because Ja had been struggling recently. Yeah. Um, also helped uh, Devonte Graham not being there. You know, being out with an injury, he's been really good for Charlotte uh, again this year. He's back in a rhythm, so. That kind of helped as well, but everyone got injuries, so I ain't feeling bad for a team. Yeah, and I Perhaps guess we should, wide. we
1: should, we should, uh, kind of hit on. Rozier had 34 points, uh, so he got he got off on there us. He got his, yeah. Uh, Dylan also had a good game, he had 20 on 8 of 13. Uh, Gile had 15 and 11, five turnovers though, so not, definitely not a great game. LaMelo had 17 and 5. Um, but just, you know, all around a good game. Bain had a career high 18 points before his uh, grandmother passed away and he's missed uh, the Lakers game, which we'll talk about next. And I, I guess he's missing tonight as well. Right. In Sacramento.
2: I think so. Um, yeah. It, it, based on social media, it seemed like he's still in Indiana back home. He's from Richmond, Indiana. So it seemed like he's yeah. still there, at least as of last night. This wow. is great grandmother actually. Uh, great grandmother, okay. Who who, who, raised, that's who him. raised him? Yeah, okay. yeah. Which is, uh, and she, she was kind of went viral and when she was on the couch with him when he got drafted. She kept asking him like, "How's he going to like Boston?" And he kept trying to explain that like the trade shit, and it was really awesome. <laughs> that video is really great if anyone hadn't <laughs> checked it out. But she's like the sweetest woman you could tell. Um, but so sad. Yeah. Prayers up to Desmond. And
1: but, so. Uh, with Bain gone due to personal reasons, we, we also didn't mention that. Uh, De'Anthony Melton got hurt last week mm-hmm. against the Pacers. Uh, some type of shoulder injury. I don't think we've really – it says shoulder soreness on the injury reports. Looked like a dislocated shoulder to me, uh, just the way he kind of went limp and immediately went off the court. So we haven't had Melton. We haven't had Brandon Clark, uh calf injury, I believe. I think he's questionable for tonight's game. Um, I haven't looked at the injury report, so I'm not That's sure. Right. And then we're still missing the two-way guys, Killian Tilly, Sean McDermott, John T. Porter is in the gobble uh, with the hustle. The and I like that. still no, I, I stole it from someone, so I ah, can't okay, take credit right, from that. Okay. I, it wasn't me. Um, and then, you know, still no Winslow or Jaron Jackson Jr. So just want to kind of set the stage that the Grizzlies have nine players. Uh, <laughs> and as as frustrating as these losses are, like, I don't think we're we are as frustrated with the outcome of the games as the process to the outcome, you know, like especially when as we get into this Lakers game, but even with the Raptors game, like we were right there, we were right in it and then it was just boom, we blow up and lose. So it's like these we know these guys have what it takes to compete and just when they don't, it kind of hurts a little more.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> you want to see you want to see John proving, right? You want to see your young star like getting better with each game. It hasn't really gone that way. In fact, it's gone the opposite way. There was an ankle injury in there. But that's sort of what you're rooting for is the game within the game. Like all your young guys improving, but none of them can stay on the fucking court. Um, and that just sort of exacerbates the whole like, damn, are we always going to be hurt thing? You know, when you got Jaren's missing time, Justice hasn't suited up yet. It's, um, you know, you want to see it the other way. You want to see the guys getting chemistry together. You don't want to see guys like, that you don't necessarily see being a large part of this team as it enters what we think is like the best years. You don't want to see them being the best players on the team, you know, and like maybe raising your floor, but not resulting in any wins. But it, it has been the, the process itself has been frustrating, as you alluded to. I think that's a really good way to put it.
0: All right. So let's move into I don't, I Plexus would say game. for me, the easily the most frustrating game. And yeah, that's uh, why I live, I wanted to leave with
2: that <laughs> because this is like <laughs> the
1: prime <laughs> example.
2: <laughs> Man.
0: I mean, it, it did seem too good to be true. Memphis shooting, uh, let's see, almost 60% in the first quarter and the Lakers shooting 28. You had to feel that was going to even itself out, especially with the caliber of players that uh, the Lakers have on their roster. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, the first quarter was just wild. Second quarter hung in and then third fell off a cliff and it was just over from there. Memphis just could not recover I mean it was one of the more frustrating games of the season uh, I think
1: yeah, yeah I mean start <laughs> started off on the tear like we were
0: up to what 22 to 2 yeah. <laughs> it was
1: exactly. like 11 to 0 when Dylan got the half court steal and went and jammed it home and they called a timeout and Valanchunas was hooping and we in the first quarters 31 to 16 and then they they make the run in the second quarter, but like we're keeping them at bay, you know. Like every time they cut it to ten, Taylor Jenkins is turning into Popovich and calling a timeout, and then draws up a play. And Xavier Tillman gets a corner three, and then the next time he calls a timeout, a uh, Dylan Brooks from which has become a patented uh uh positional play calling for Taylor Jenkins, the baseline out of balance play. If a team scores more off baseline out of balance plays than the Grizzlies, uh, point them to me because the amount of wide open dunks we get, like in this one was Dylan Brooks dunking and unfortunately yelling, and I think LeBron James thought he was yelling in uh. his face, and uh, kind of he might have been woke the king up.
0: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I tweeted. I was like, if there's one person like that doesn't need to be doing that to a specific person, it's that scenario that we just saw, like LeBron mj meme took that personally like don't Mm. don't poke the bear if he's having a sleepy night let him sleep like let's just get the game over with we were about like the bear dylan five or six more
2: points away from him (laughs) being like fuck it and just like taking the night off you know like
0: like, the white flag was there it was coming
2: he was like you know what like actually i could probably catch the limo back to my house at halftime i don't even have to actually sit on the bench for the whole game like you know the, the kids are going to be being brawnier watching like this netflix show it's gonna be great and and instead you know, we woke his ass up and you know he, he ends up like he really like he doesn't like the grizzlies man like i feel like we always get kind of chirpy lebron every time we play them and it might be the fact that like that he made that joke last time like too many young kids in suits on the three them and they down everyone um, and be like, look, like, let's play our game. We can't do anything about the calls. Like, it, it, we just got to play our game. And then we got let it get in our feelings in the third quarter. I think we sort of collapsed and stopped playing. But the fouls happen as they may, and then at least like give our chance, give ourselves the best chance to win. But we let it affect us like Grizzlies Twitter was. We were all fucking pissed. They were getting calls, um, and the players were like almost like reading our tweets, you know, like live, like and and, and getting equally as mad. They can't do that. They just got to play. But what other – I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't have, like, any stats from this game, but it was fairly miserable to watch. Um, classic example, getting rooked.
1: Yeah, and, but I mean, uh, going going into halftime, we're up 59-46, and that's the biggest deficit the Lakers have faced all season. So, uh, you know, you take that, and then you come into the third quarter, and I thought the most deflating play was Kyle got a steal from LeBron, uh, like, kind of right at the top of the key, took it coast-to-coast, Does his euro step finishes with a funky uh shot, he's like fading away, but it bounces and it's an and one because he didn't put the ball back on the floor, he should have been continuation. And you remember, we didn't get the continuation because LeBron said no, and (laughs) from that point on, it was just like, All right, this game's over. Like LeBron said, That doesn't count, and like, (laughs) I don't even know why we're here. Do they y'all remember that head. play? Like, it was, yeah, a, it was a cool-ass yeah. and one, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And LeBron's like, nope. And everyone, it's just like, okay, that doesn't count? Like, why? He didn't dribble again? He, it's he said clearly an so. and one. And, uh, you know, I love LeBron, but uh, from that point on, it was just, the Lakers took over. And I mean, we were getting Kyle Kuzma was killing us on the offensive rebounds.
2: Right. I mean, thinking about like that. That's the thing we could have controlled, right? Like the once yeah. we got in our fields, we started letting Kuzma off like three straight offensive rebounds. And like you just can't do that, man. That's not that's not winning basketball.
1: Yeah. Marcus hitting open threes, which I mean you'll live with, but and he hasn't hit them all year, but he hit like two or three against us. And I was just like, come on, Mark. Like And I felt like Mark tried to save us at the end. He got a technical because Taylor Jenkins wouldn't. He's like, somebody's got to get a technical for this Grizzlies organization, so I'm going to do it. So I appreciate that, Mark. You stuck up for us, and Taylor Jenkins would not. He didn't challenge the offensive interference call on Kuzma, one of his said five offensive rebounds, which was clearly, uh, you know, above the cylinder, and he touched it. And in my game notes, I've got it in a red pen. Jenkins has to get a T because everything was going against your guys. You can't make a basket, and you're playing against Anthony Davis, who's quietly climbed to 35 points. It didn't even feel like he scored 35 points against us, uh, and everything was going against us. And I just feel like at that point, Jenkins could have done more to to ha- make sure his team knew he had their
2: back. This is the this is the NBA coaching. There's so many different layers to this, and it's like we know Jenkins is a brilliant basketball mind. Like we know that his guys love him. We know they love playing hard for him. We know they buy into what he does. I mean that you reference the uh, under the basket, inbounding offensive plays that we score on. Like we've gotten great shit. You know, we run good shit and we buy into what he wants to do. But the thing he lacks is the intangible personality thing that like the great ones eventually either develop or, or have already had that, they get fucking pissed at the refs. They work the refs. You end up becoming kind of like a PR representative for your players live in game. Um, Doc Rivers is quite possibly the best example of this in the history of the NBA. I mean, he is constantly talking to the referees. He's not always mad at them. He's just chirping at them. He's keeping his his voice in their ears. He's just making sure they understand what's going on. He would remind the referees at every single foul call, come on, guys. Like They shot 20. We shot eight. You know they shot twenty five. We've shot eight. Like he would be like constantly reminding the refs. I'm not saying Jenkins wasn't doing that because obviously we can't hear what he's doing. But that's the sort of stuff you have to do. You have to be like your the voice for your guys. And then when it redlines to the point that it got to, as Mason says, you got to take the technical. That ends up becoming the greatest coaching decision of all, getting ejected from the game. You know that that's almost as good as drawing up like a insanely great play that gets a wide open three for Grayson Allen at his at elbow spot that he loves. Like. That matters. And that's the thing that Jenkins needs to improve on. He did improve the challenging. He's done that a lot more, but it's clear that he does is it, he's not a comfortable guy with adversity. Like he's not like a confrontational type personality. He's a really nice dude. He's brilliant. He's really nice. The press conferences like, but he's not one guy. He's not going to be an asshole. Like that's just not his personality. So he's going to have to like, that's going to be uncomfortable for him, but he's got to learn to do it. And this is a potentially winnable game. Otherwise.
0: I mean it, literally that situation you're talking about happened to Memphis <laughs> yeah. earlier in the week with Toronto Nick Nurse gets ejected from the game and then Toronto's like oh yeah let's win the game let's just take it over sure
2: let's go yeah Nurse is the other guy that's let's always Let's do it doing. for you
0: it's your turn coach
2: Yeah yeah he's, he he does the Hoosiers thing you know like and then and then Gene Hackman hands over the, the plays to Dennis Hopper and then Dennis Hopper wins the game but it, it that stuff it matters and that's the next stage of evolution for a young coach to figure that out. Um, and, and then also the, we need veterans to tell a ja, job, like, dude, don't get mad, get happy. Right. Like get, know the officials, know don't what their worry. names are. Like talk to them. Like, you gotta be like, Hey, you know, just want to, just want to remind you that like, anytime I'm driving, like Steven Adams is putting his elbow in my ribs, just like, watch out for that. And like, that's the sort of shit that like Chris Paul says the whole game, like he's working the ref the whole game. And it, Pays dividends as it has for Chris Paul's entire career, and that's that's almost just as important in the NBA as like being able to like do what Ja does night after night out. Like his athleticism, his court vision, that's all really valuable. But in order to like reach what we know he can do, he's got to learn that element of the game. And maybe it's not going to come naturally. But like this Lakers game was like a you know show it in film room of like the the PR of the NBA and the fouls and the officiating, the relationship between players and officials. Zach,
1: uh, from the past week, are there any stats or anything that you that have stuck out to you that you wanted to highlight, or just any notes from the week that we might not have hit on that you wanted to point out that you think are important?
0: uh, so we talked a lot about Ja uh, of course, uh on a more positive note, if I had to put this as a section in recent i don't know it's not pop it may be pop culture. I don't know what exactly it falls into the pop culture bucket. this I'm would be my this. this would be my diamond hand Britney? my diamond hands uh, segment uh, would be Grayson performances this week. Uh, So he got in the starting lineup at the end of the week with Bain being out. Uh, But for the week he shot, he had an effective field goal percentage of 74%. 84% of his shots were threes, which is like great to just have that guy on the wing who can drill threes, shot 50% on those threes. And then, uh points per 100 shots he was 160 what in comparison so Jaw was like 92 93 and anywhere kind of above that 100 uh, is is where you start to to get into really positive territory so 160% or sorry 160 points per 100 shots is like crazy good territory you know top tier obviously not sustainable uh but just want to say grayson had a really hot week so uh, and a lot of the lineup numbers favor him starting, yeah. uh, which is maybe something, maybe not something that you would think after like the eye test, but he is in a lot of those uh, more high-performing lineups that Memphis has. So and he gets just, my diamond hands for the week.
1: And that's a great pick. And I, I think from what we saw in the bubble um, and what we've seen this season when Grayson and Ja are both on the court together, their chemistry is unmatched. Um, no. And it's not to take anything away from Desmond Bain because he has been great too. And I don't care which one of them starts. Uh, I think it makes more sense to start Bain because of the long-term uh, upside. You know, he could probably be a better defender, but that's not to say that I think Grayson has been a bad defender. Right? Sure. He has, you know, physical limitations, but um, I don't think it's Troy Daniels level of physical lim- limitations. And I think he adds more, um, as a cutter, when we see some, t- the problem with Grayson is sometimes he gets tossed out there in these lineups with like Conchar, Tyus, uh Tillman, and Jang, and it's like we just give the ball to Grayson and hope he can score. And like, that's, that's- not
0: his game. <laughs> yeah, he can't do that. But when he's
1: with Ja, he's really good. And I would say right now he's he's more advanced than Bain uh, on both ends, just you know being able to handle the ball and stuff. But I have no issues with Bain starting. Uh, but more so, more so, I have no issues with either one of them getting as many minutes as possible uh, every game that they're available, <laughs> like 25 plus for both of them.
2: Yeah, do, have, do we have any numbers on? I think my favorite lineup, at least right now, with with DeAnthony, I was probably like Jog, ja, uh, Grayson, Bain, Kyle, and JV. I mean, I, that seems like a lineup that should have should have played a lot of minutes recently. I don't know if it has, but it seems like something that would make sense. Um, kyle obviously better at the four when he can play in the dugger spot that corner three is good when you have two dead-eye shooters like that uh, of which ja is familiar with particularly with, with with grayson um i mean that seems like exactly the kind of game that ja wants to play right it opens up the paint for him to get to the rim the problem was i think with a lot of guys defend that they end up forcing the grizzlies to make the right basketball play and it's a Jaw kick out to Bain in the corner, swing to Grayson at the wing. They've helped on him, and then it's swing to uh, Jonas Valanciunas at the top of the key, and he's wide open. And then Jonas does that slow ass pump fake, and then his then his defenders already recovered on him. And then it's either he shoots it, which isn't a great shot, a defended top of the key Jonas Valanciunas three, or he drives it, and we're right back where we were. Like it negated the jaw drive at the beginning of the possession, and it's like that that stinks. Um, which is, you know, why I'm kind of like over Jonas, even though, like, I understand he raises our floor, but it's clear we can't get to where we want to get.
0: Yeah. You know. Oh, I'm glad that you mentioned Jonas.
1: And, and while
0: while you're looking that
1: up, Zach, yeah. uh, just our two man combos that have played at least 85 minutes together that are have the best net rating: Jang and Melton, Melton and Tillman. Uh, Tyus and Melton, so Melton in your top three. So if you don't think Melton's yeah. important to this team, then yeah. we're not watching the same game. But fourth is a uh, Grayson Allen and Desmond Bain duo, which has played 120 minutes and is outscoring teams by 18.2. Uh, when those two are on the court together, yeah. uh, let, let's see. The in there's not a lot with Ja up here at the top. The first one actually with Jaws, Jaw and JV. Uh, who played 173 minutes together and outscoring teams by seven points? Um, JV and Grayson are pretty good. J- JV and Bain are pretty good. So it points to what you said, Sam, that uh, Ja, JV, and those two shooters on the wing, and probably a Kyle Anderson type. Uh, even better if you have you know Jaron Jackson Jr. to toss yeah, in there.
2: That guy, yeah, it'd be even better. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the dream. The dream lineup is John ja and four shooters. Uh, right is it's 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 maybe you slide Jaron to the five I know a lot of people don't like that Um, but you basically have your power four be the defender of the most modern center and kind of Jaron just roves and plays weak side help block defense and then you just basically have like the paints fully open man like imagine if Jaron's at the top of the key for the swing instead of JV right like that's like a whole different game entirely I don't know how you're stopping that team from from scoring in troves, but again it requires our guys to be healthy all right, Zach, go on your JV diatribe here.
0: No, just a couple He's of a trade him, things huh? I want Is to that, point out. You
1: write an article yeah. before the say, hey, this yeah. guy's average as hell, and then you get mad at us for quoting
0: said article. I mean, that was two things <laughs> change from year to year.
2: <laughs> Here's come the on. thing. The, Zach in our group text was just wanted to trade JV. like He was just like, let's get this guy out of here. Nah, and nah. then uh, and, and then Mason <laughs> and I were like, hang on, Zach. Let's like, see he come back. Reel Let's me back out. in, guys. Great screens for Ja, You know, like he—he's—he's <laughs> he's really effective. I really don't want him to. He, he's, you know, whatever. Like he's Lithuanian. Really love the country as far as Eastern Europe goes. Like so. You know, we were able to step in and be like, "Come on, dude, let's see this out." But now you, you know, give us your JV stats.
0: Yeah, then then you guys had to hack in my Twitter account and post positive things about him. I got it. I appreciate that. Thank you for helping me save face on that. <laughs> Might have been the other way around. I don't remember.
2: Like I said, I had some margaritas. Yeah, something. Some some people wanted JV trade and some people defended him. I'm just saying that it, those three people were us. I don't remember exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. what.
0: <laughs> the waters are murky. Yeah, I
2: don't know. Who can say?
0: Okay, so according to uh, PVP stats, Morant shoots 11% better. We talked earlier about shots at the rim, shots in the paint. So that's a critical part of Morant's game. Shoots 11% better at the rim with JV on the court. He also shoots at the rim 3% more frequently with JV on the court. Uh, a lot JV's numbers with a lot of the other guys are mixed, um, so I'm not necessarily as telling didn't really see as trends as big as that, but uh, a little on one hand, it's surprising because you would assume that JV would be clogging the paint up down there uh, and bringing on that uh, help side defender, the other center to protect the rim on <laughs> to protect the rim uh, with jaw driving, but on the other side. Uh, Sam, I'm glad that you mentioned JV screening and, uh, his chemistry and the amount of minutes that he's played with jaw. That seems to be a positive factor for Morant, at least can't say so much about the rest of the team, but Jaw needs JV, at least at this point in the game.
1: And I think that's just a product of where we currently are with the roster, um at when when I was singing you know JV is you, we can trade him and Xavier Tillman is the center of the future that was definitely premature and I do owe a uh, an apology for that uh because he has came back and been nothing but absolutely phenomenal uh since he's been back from his COVID break he, he started the season pretty shitty JV I you know I gotta yeah, say that to you. um and I I still don't think he is the answer for the team long term at the center position, which is what Sam was alluding to just a minute ago so uh, but definitely appreciate him now and we we can't win games without him at this point. I don't think um, but yeah, we'll see how how it goes moving forward I th- Man, back to the the Grizzlies and the foul shots. And, you know, Sam, I know you were on the – we're tops in the league and points in the paint are near the top and not getting foul calls. And uh, per cleaning the glass, we're 18th in the league in percentage of shots taken at the rim. But, like, other teams have 50% more fouls called at the rim than we do. Uh, And and I know we are taking a lot of short mid-range stuff, but are we getting rooks, Sam? Are we getting rooked? How do you really feel? We're at the end of the show. We got six minutes left. So how do you really feel? Are we getting rooked
2: once again? Do we need Fizdale to come back and give a press conference? <laughs> yes, tall <laughs> I, I think it would be awesome if Fizdale came back, like as some sort of steward of the team. Because um, <laughs> he ain't doing shit else, except for showing up on, like, get up every now and then. Be like, I talked to D-Way. He loves John. Like, he'd be like, he'd basically, like, frames all of his opinions through his conversations with D-Way. But, like, so – Yes, we're getting rooked, and this is the, the, this is the statistical evidence. Rooked is such a term that no one knows what the fuck it means. I mean, everyone knows what it means, but you can't, like, quantify it. But this is it. Like, the, what, a,
1: what a Memphis term, by the way. Like, I don't think anyone else uses
2: it, uses rooked he, as a verb. Like, man, we get rooked. I, I thought that, I thought it was. I thought that was Fizdale, like – I thought – he didn't coin that. I thought that was what's known in the league by coaches when that happens, right? Like, when, when your rookies, like, just don't get calls – um, that yeah, they should, but, and uh, it's a I, don't think they,
1: I don't think they take
2: it to that national level. So I think it's got a forever tie with Memphis, like oh, yeah, Memphis maybe root. <laughs> But I, I would love to even take this a step further and like see what it's been in years past. But I, I Memphis is not going to get the calls that the Lakers are going to get. Just if you like, no matter who's on the teams, you know, and that that's just it. it, it it's discouraging to watch the team and know that maybe you don't have. An equal chance at winning a game. Um, if if this is the case, but if you're, I mean, the, the the fouls in the paint. I mean, the presumption there is right that most foul calls are are or most fouls are are made i don't know like, most people are fouled when they're in the paint like offensively um because th- that's just the point of contention wherein like the defenders come in and swarm and like most fouls aren't called off ball or on the perimeter those are considered really bad fouls if you are just like fouling a guy on the perimeter um so the the theory is if you're like in the paint a lot scoring then theoretically you should be getting shooting a lot of foul shots too is because of the nature of nba defenses and we just don't you know we actually score a ton in the paint we don't shoot a lot of free throw attempts There's a lot of different factors here, right? But that's like kind of the very, like, that's the 10,000 foot view. Like, if I'm like putting together my portfolio of conspiracy theories to mail to Adam Silver, like, that's the first stat on the first page. And, you know, it, no one's been able to be like, yeah, that doesn't hold any water yet. You know, no one's like, that's bullshit. Here's why. There's something to it, man. And like the Pacers are also at the top of the league in in, uh, points in the paint and they don't shoot a lot of free throws. Um, and you look at, they're a similar small market team. Like, they don't have really exciting players necessarily. You know, the Brogdons, the Sabonuses aren't necessarily like selling tickets on ESPN. But I don't know. I don't, I, this is all just me being Conspiracy Sam, but like, it fucking sucks. <laughs> like, it just, mm-hmm. and if if, 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 if it's a thing, it sucks. And that's why superstars matters, right? You get a, if you get, if Jaw ja gets to the point where you think he's going to, and then Jaren gets like to an all star status, that kind of like changes the, thought around the team like any team can get calls like if they have the right guys right it's not like the Mavs are like thought of as some like crazy awesome friend you know, they had Dirk and that they won a title but like they're not like some huge market um but they got Luca, right he gets calls like and and it's just one of those things that you just like build a culture around it. but we'll see going forward do we, do we want to look at the week ahead and sort of discuss before we record next Sunday how we think we're going to turn out or um, any other thoughts from the week that was?
0: So One thing kind of uh, falls into both categories real quick. So, so far in the season, Memphis had a pretty tough uh, schedule. Basketball Reference has them as the eighth uh, hardest schedule so far to date, which is pretty tough. Uh, They're also 14th in uh, SRS. I forget what the acronym is, but what that does is it combines strength of schedule with uh, the – kind of with point differential to predict kind of where you stand in the league and that's usually a pretty good representation of where you should fall uh, kind of extrapolate over the season they're 14th in that and really right now Memphis is that feels good average team which if you're missing your second best player for this far in the season with the eighth strength of schedule and you're an average team I mean not that think you can hold your head up high with that and we got a little bit of a break, kind of this week. Uh, tonight we start with the or sorry, the Kings. They're twelve and thirteen. Um, quick thoughts on them. You know, they got we get to see Halliburton in action. Uh, he gets a lot of uh, a lot of folks are really high on him since he's been drafted. Does a lot on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Buddy Hield. Um, you know, so that that should be yeah, a pretty, it's pretty exciting. The,
2: the Jaw versus Deern, like the kind of the I mean the yeah. um, uh, the I Amin. Mean, um, Thanks,
1: Aminel Hassan.
2: Yeah, who who said that? De'Aaron Fox is or John Moran is who De'Aaron Fox thinks he is, and then you know and that that whole that thing went viral, and then now De'Aaron Fox is playing at like an objectively all star level, like thirty two points a night and eight assists sort of stuff. Um, so he's only one of the few guys that can stay in front of John's. is always like Verno's thing, and and he he clearly like is I'm the fast athletic point guard you have to at least get over me before you can be anointed. And I get why you take that personally. So he's another kind of thing that to look for in this Kings game.
0: Um, I'm
2: glad you brought that up because we have played an incredibly hard schedule and we're still like almost 500, right? Like with crazy injuries that matters. I mean, that's better than we thought for sure.
0: I mean, Memphis played the Lakers three times already for crying out loud. Uh, Fox and Bagley are actually listed as questionable for tonight. So kind of hope they both get to play see what happens there but um something to keep an eye well, on as you mentioned and if
1: if there's no fox then uh this team should win the game you know the grizzlies should should beat the you know Halliburton led kings the kongs even with only nine, nine players i feel like that's a game we should go in there and win uh, you know it's an nba game so anything could happen uh, they still have buddy hill and some, maybe potentially some better players but right. that's a game i feel like if they don't have the head of the snake and De'Aaron fox we should win
2: barring like some crazy three point night where it's like yeah weird. yeah barring that but if it's yeah yeah
1: but man at, after today so the grizzlies play five man, games a lot of games seven nights you got Sacramento tonight and then you come home Tuesday you have the pelicans on TNT uh big opportunity never beat the pelicans so ever Maybe we get some players back. or maybe Zion doesn't, you know,
2: score twenty five and not miss. We need justice that night, man. Come back, Justice. Like
0: Just half I don't even care the, what you
2: do. You don't have to do anything else. Just guard Zion. Just be tough on Zion. And like come on, man. Like this is what you've been doing. This is what you've been training for. Like I need and, you. Yeah. And then and then so the very next night we got a home
1: back to back against the Thunder. Uh, you know towards the bottom of the standings in the west as the western conference standings are filling out but still a tough out every night then you got go that got the pistons on friday who just you know took the lakers to overtime two straight games and then phoenix again who's going to be hungry for blood after we beat them on mlk day and who is now they're playing really well playing really well just yeah, a brutal brutal week it. but uh you gotta you gotta win some of these games
2: Yeah, the the Thunder too. It's uh, Shea Gilder's Alexander's played incredibly well too. Like the, I think that him and De'Aaron are clearly above John the All Star pecking order right now. I mean, and even like I can't argue, right? Like statistically, it's the case, and also they're making their teams win, um, and and being crucial components to those wins. So yeah, how do we think we do if so? And that's also four games and five nights, by the way. Pelicans, Thunder, Pistons, Suns is four games in five nights, which is real tough uh, for a team that's already injured. Um, so you really hope you get some reserves coming back to, to help you out. How do we feel we go in those um, five games, culminating in the Suns on Saturday? Are we looking at – do we need two of these wins, Mason? Do we need – we, we need at least one. We can't go for five. Um, and if yeah. so, who, who are those wins coming from?
1: I, I'm thinking we get two.
2: Uh, and I, I
1: think one comes in Sacramento, and then we get one of OKC Detroit. Um, you know, I, I think we get to, we need to, to stay in the race with all these teams. Basically, bat, staying around five hundred with Sacramento, New Orleans, and a couple other teams right there. But we need to, and I'm hoping for three. But I, I'll say we get two.
2: That's, that's fair, Zach. My, what do you think?
0: That's where my head's at as well. And your heart? My all head, heart, grit, okay. and grind. Says three. Okay, Zach, you want to take us out? Unless you got any other thoughts uh nope that's all Mm. thanks again everyone for listening to another episode of the backdoor cut show go check out our website the-barnburner.com listen to us on dash radio's nothing but net channel and until next time we'll see you next week go grizzlies let's go